this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about being justified by faith. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing well today. I hope you're enjoying this fine day, too. Yeah, it's not been bad. Busy uh, this past week for those who are members of the congregation where we attend university. We had three baptisms. That is very exciting. Two on Wednesday, three on Sunday. Are you serious? My yeah. Goodness. That's great. So we've, we've had some some really exciting things happen uh, at university, and, and that's one of the things that, that we just love. What what was the motivation behind the sermon first? And maybe that's one question that we could ask. Yeah, so really the sermons that we've been giving from from Galatians or looking at from Galatians all have in common that if you were a, a person conscientious, religiously minded, and you were trying to come to a relationship with God, Mm-hmm. then you're going to be very confused just by the religious climate, not only in America, but really in all the world. Okay. What's right. right what's true. And mm-hmm. so we're looking at some of the things that ha- have led to that confusion. So one of those mm-hmm. things, for instance, we talked about the idea of covenant. And if you don't get the idea of covenant down, then yeah, it's going to, it's going to lead to some confusing ideas and confusing practices. Well, the issue we looked at this past Sunday was works, and faith, because right. there's a whole lot that's said about that that does lead to a lot of confusion as far as mm-hmm. what do you do to be saved? When are you saved? And it all comes back to, to that that notion. So that's why uh, the sermon was given. I didn't necessarily know someone was going to be baptized. However, okay. I am certainly thrilled that yeah. it does seem that the lesson may be cleared up some confusion for some people. Talking about baptism, that's where you started in this sermon. You started by talking about baptism. And you kind of talked about really a confusion some people have about what the the value of baptism or the place of baptism. So why is it so confusing? Why is it so controversial, this idea of baptism and becoming a Christian? I don't know how long that, that confusion would have existed. I think when you read the New Testament, I don't think there was a whole lot of confusion about that. I don't no, know there was yeah, a whole lot of confusion for the first couple of hundred years. Really, the first point we talked about on Sunday is the main reason why there's so much confusion today, and that is that we are reading someone else's mail, but expositors of the Word of God, uh, teachers of the Word of God, had not always approached the Bible from that standpoint. Right. Um, again, I, I, we won't go into a whole history of Luther. Luther's a, a deeply flawed person. However, I have a lot of respect for him for what he was dealing with and the theology he came to and the importance of faith. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. The problem is because Luther looked at a passage like we were in Galatians 2, 16, you could go to Romans 3 and verse 28, same thing where it emphasizes faith against works of the law. And what has been done with that over the years is works has been equated with anything that is a matter of following God. And so expositors today, and I gave, I think, four or five quotations from the John MacArthur Study Bible, 
mm-hmm. will bend over backwards to show that baptism has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. And the reason <laughs> right. for that is they say, well, it's a work. Right. Well, but what if that's not what Paul's dealing with? What if he's not dealing with obedience to God at all? You're dealing with a different system, and it's faith versus works of the law, i.e. the Old Testament covenant of Israel. That changes things. So it is unfortunate that, uh, again, a lot of it has to do with the historical context that people are looking at, and that leads to some mistaken, mistaken notions about baptism. That's true. I, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this, and one of the things that he said, and I thought it made a lot of sense, really when you think about it, baptism really doesn't require much of you. I mean, basically it's walking down into a pool of water and going down and coming up. He said that's hardly a work. He said that is quite possibly the most passive way that Jesus could have initiated Christians into his his kingdom. And, you know, you, you look at the works of the Old Testament, which involved things like killing animals on a regular basis, taking those animals to to uh, to the temple. I mean, it, getting in a body of water and going down and coming back up, boy, that ain't nothing. <laughs> yeah. And yet faith says in doing that, God cleansed you of everything you ever did wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's again why the act of baptism, and it is an act, and you are to obey yeah. it, it's not a work of meritorious salvation. Right. So let's get to the part of this where where people start getting a lot of confusion. And and, and the idea of faith, and that's where you went to Galatians, and I, and I think that's why you went to Galatians. That faith is a conversation. We've really wanted to have this conversation on my other podcast for a while now. You mentioned how the epistles are letters to other people, and like you said, that we're reading other people's mail. Uh, you even mentioned how scholars have put in their own issues, and you're exactly right. Going through Romans, we've talked about all the problems that we have, not with the book of Romans, but how a lot of people have put their own opinions on Romans. And now one of the things that we often find ourselves doing is untangling not what's in Romans, but what a lot of people have said about Romans. So rather than deal with what everybody else is saying, what is Paul saying about faith? And why is it important that we understand the, the faith that Paul's talking about? I hate to use the word system because that, that's kind of a loaded term. But I think the best way of looking at this is it's it's two systems that that Paul is contrasting, and he does that in both Romans and in Galatians. The mistaken notion, particularly of the Jewish people, was we are saved because of the system that is in place. Mm-hmm. We have the law, we have circumcision. God gave that to our ancestors, and He said, "You are my special people." Therefore, we are saved. And of course, Paul's argument in both Romans and Galatians is. Did you look at that system? Did you look at that law? <laughs> did, you, did you not get the idea that it keeps on telling you how wrong you are and how sinful you are and yeah. that you know you need to be making sacrifices all the time because of how wrong and how sinful you are and you violate the law? Okay, so that system clearly is not the end goal. Right. So what is? Faith in Christ. Christ who has accomplished all that the law you know, was pointing toward 
And so now there is justification, there is redemption, there is reconciliation. You know, any sanctification, any term that the Old Testament people of God would have held dear, Christ has fulfilled that. And what God is saying is, you can be a part of that in Christ. And how do you become a part of Christ? Put your faith in Him. It's not about you and how great and perfect you are. Put your faith in Him and follow Him. Obedience to, uh, as far as repentance and baptism and confessing Jesus as your Lord. Okay, that may be the entry into it. But then the rest of your life, as Paul says, I now, I've been crucified and the life in which I live, okay, this, this is his Christian walk. This is faith being uh, enacted in Paul's life. But it's this whole system. It's, it's, it's the difference of living now in Christ as opposed to living under the law and all the things that are available to us in Christ, the law was only foreshadowing and pointing towards. So what you're saying there is we cannot earn our way into heaven. We cannot earn our way into a good relationship with God. So Jesus had to come and and, uh, basically give us an entry into that relationship. And now he's given us another law. And if we violate any of the part of that law, now we are just as lost as we ever were. Is that right, Josh? Wow. You really did read a lot into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously I'm taking a, a far, right. far, but I'm, I'm doing this to make a point. Sure. That, absolutely. That, but but go ahead. I, I let me let me let, give you an opportunity to answer the question. There is no doubt what we do is important. It, it is following now, the difference in you know that and the law. And as Paul says in Galatians, you know, okay, um, cursed is everyone who does not keep the law completely. Well, we we know right. we're not following Christ perfectly. Right. And that is why he is described as our propitiation. He is the one described as the atonement atoning sacrifice. The, the the blood of Christ is always there purifying us of our iniquities. The the real telltale difference here is faith. And what Paul even or not Paul, maybe Paul, the Hebrew writer makes this point in Hebrews 4 uh in verse 2 mm-hmm. that the people of God of the Old Testament had good news preached to them. And the part the, the their failure was it was not united with faith. We as Christians are not going to perfectly do what God wants us to all the time. We are growing. We are maturing. We are becoming more spiritual people. Mm -hmm. But if our walk is a walk of faith, then what we're doing is every day living these Christian principles as best we can and putting faith that Christ forgives my inadequacies. Right. Christ forgives my stumblings when I when I confess and I repent. That this is the, the drastic difference from you know the Old Testament where you're going to have to wait an entire year in, in some cases for atonement to be made in the temple. And then you know you're going to have to do that the exact same thing the very next year. Yeah. No, we, we have Christ forgiving us right then and there. But it's mm-hmm. all a matter of do you trust God enough to believe that he is doing that for you in your relationship? And if so, that's why you're going to follow him. And if you don't, you're not going to follow him anymore. Yeah. And really what you're talking about is the relationship between faith and obedience. And that faith and obedience, uh, they they really need to go hand in hand. And by the way, I think it's – and I think you would agree with this. We have an imperfect faith. 
and we are also imperfectly obedient. So let me ask you, what's the challenge of that? What's the challenge of being imperfectly faithful and imperfectly obedient? That is the, the, the question of, you know, really the, the entire Christian walk. Yeah. You remember when Jesus was coming down from uh, the, what we refer to as the Mount of Transfiguration. He has some of his disciples with him. And as he's going down, there is a man who has a son who is possessed and who in the, in the, the demon possessed son, you know, harms himself, does great harm. And even while the man is speaking to Jesus, you know, the, the man is afflicted again. And the man says, um, you know, I brought him to some of your disciples. They could not, they could not drive the demon out. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, questions the faith. I think he's questioning specifically the, the faith of his disciples. You know, they should have been to this point yet, knowing that Christ was working them, they could have done this. Yeah. But it's the the father who responds, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That is our walk. That is the the walk of maturity. That's you know the same thing. You 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 look at that with the the prime example of faith in the Old Testament of Abraham. It was a remarkable step of faith to leave his father's house, to leave his country, to go to a place God did not show him. But God did not show up on day one and say, "Now sacrifice your son." Right. That came over time. And as Abraham's faith in God was rewarded time and again by seeing that God kept his word. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why Abraham is able then to do that impossible task in Genesis 22 is because he's, he's, that faith has been able to grow. And it's been able to grow because as he trusted God and followed God, God kept keeping his word. Same thing with us. There are some things that are very challenging that, you know, if you were to ask me, can I do that right now? I don't know that I can. Yeah. But if I live every day trying to put my faith in God and I see the benefits and the blessings that come from this faithful life, mm -hmm. then yeah, when we come to other stages of life, other challenges of life, we can meet those with faith as well uh, because faith has grown. And so all of us find ourselves again in that position of that man who says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And I think God is being gracious to us and giving us time and experiences that are helping us in that. It reminds me of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, in my opinion, was way immature, did not know what to do with money, did not know what to do with resources by the time he had them. But what, re what he remembered when he was out doing all the stupid stuff what kind of good guy is my dad? He even treats his servants well. And here I am in this land where I'm not being treated well. Let me go back home where I know people love me. And let me ask my dad to excuse all the stupid stuff I've done and just make me a servant. Because I know he treats his servants well. And when he gets home, he's like, your son you're just a son, and I'm glad you're home. The son was imperfectly faithful. The son was imperfectly obedient. And when he came to himself, he recognized he needed his dad. Does that make sense to you, Josh? I mean, there's a reason why Jesus uses these stories, because they, they are pictures of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, to me, makes 
a lot of sense with both what you said and and the prodigal son that faith we know that we're going to be imperfect but that doesn't mean we stop striving for perfection do we behave our way into a good relationship with god and how do we know if we're not in a good relationship with god that's a good question. Uh, well, no, you can't behave your way into a good relationship with God because, again, that would bring us to the matter of all of sin falls short of the glory of God. All of our behaviors have shown we're, we're not worthy of God. Again, mm-hmm. Jesus, though, lived perfectly. Right. And so the question is, am I a part of him? He's the, he's right. the one who has done everything perfectly. And that's where, again, faith comes in. Faith and I, Mike Wilson, uh, who's a preacher out in California, gave gave this lesson in uh, in faith, and I, and it's the one that I have adopted that I utilize in even defining what faith is. That that faith, you have to look at faith as as being really three components. There are three aspects of faith. There is mm-hmm. what? Why do you believe something? You have mm-hmm. faith. Okay. Well, there, you're convinced something is true. Mm-hmm. Then there's the matter of trust, which is probably the way in which we look at faith most often. It's, it's your mm-hmm. ability to trust someone else because you believe they're going to do what they said. But then there's the action that that trust produces. If you believe that person, you believe they're going to do what they said, then you follow in such a way. Yeah, And that's why, you know, biblically speaking, you know, James is making that point, of course, in James chapter 2. But Paul is also making the same point in Romans and Galatians. It's, it's not this contrast between what you think and what you do. It's the two are perfectly melded together, and that's faith. Mm-hmm. And, and so, no, my, my faith is not perfect. My, my actions are not perfect. I'm not going to behave my way into a relationship with God. But as I learn about God, this is where the, convin- the, the convincing happens. I, I'm convinced that God actually does keep his promises to his people. Yeah. And then what that produces in me is the ability to trust him. And what that produces in me then is the ability to then go and do what he's asked me to do because I trust him and I believe he's going to enable us to do the things he's asked us to do. And he's going to reward us, you know, with the relationship with him for doing that. Yeah. You know, the, there, when I wrote this question, and, and just for those who were listening to this, I write the questions during the sermon. And and one of the things as I was writing this question is I, I can... thought you were playing Candy Crush during the sermon. I thought that's why you always had your phone out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm taking notes and basically I'm writing uh, writing these these uh these questions down. And one of the things that I thought as I wrote this question was I can think of two good answers to this question. I can t- you could say no because we don't earn our way into a good relationship with God. It's kind of like saying God needs me and he doesn't. He never did. But by the same token, I think about uh, well let's just go back to the prodigal. He had to go home. He had to go home in order to experience the blessings of his dad. And I is that a great is that a work? In one way, yeah. In one way, he had to go home. And that was, you know, him putting one foot in front of the other. Did that mean he earned his way back to his dad? No. But you have to go back home. Yep. And again, these aren't wages that you're getting. This is favor that you're getting. This is literally 
the grace of God, not just the 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 way God deals with sin, but the gift of God for people who will pick up, will take him up on it. And it does require that you're obedient, even after you've been disobedient. Um, that th- this is not perfect law keeping, but this is an intentional uh, positioning yourself back. Do you see what I'm saying there, Josh? We let's take it where I know you probably want to go, and you haven't gone there yet. <laughs> let's, let's take it to the let's take it to the family relationship. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. Go ahead. Okay, now. Did I do everything my parents wanted me to do? Absolutely not. Did you oh, do? Josh, I'm shocked. Every, well, and, and I was pretty good. But all right, so you didn't. Our kids don't. No one does. Right. But we don't come down. Okay, there there, there may be children that live rebellious rebelliously. Yes, um, and yeah. that's that's different from your child who doesn't always do everything right. Right. The child loves you. The child listens to you. Doesn't always do things that are right, and is convicted when they're doing something wrong. You may still, you know, give some punishments because you're about molding behavior. Right. But there is a difference there in living rebelliously. Yeah. We can be faithful and not have done everything right, and that is God sees us as faithful. He sees us as striving to follow Him and putting our trust in Him. He knows when that when we you know go into rebellion he knows that too he mm-hmm. does not look at the as at the same way then there's a difference in rebellion and not doing everything correctly and you see that in your family all the time yeah yeah that's exactly right <laughs> i'm glad you went there i didn't well, have to <laughs> <laughs> although i mean i'm cheating as well the 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 story of the prodigal son that's right you are you you family. introduced it you introduced it <laughs> but yeah i and again i was listening to a, a, another podcast where they were talking about the the overwhelming majority of of metaphors in, in the new testament is fam- our family metaphors i'm 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 copying i'm i'm not this none of this is original for, with me so anyway um do you know what you're going to be talking about next time, Josh? I do. I'm going to do one final lesson using Galatians. And again, trying to address some of the things that lend itself to so much confusion in our religious climate. And I tell you, you cannot read Galatians, particularly chapter three and on, without being confronted with the Spirit. And yeah. so we have got to talk about the spirit. What does that mean for us? <laughs> Do we have the spirit? What does that mean for our lives? Right. And so that's what we're going to deal with. Um, that, you know, I had people ask me because Sunday's sermon went a lot quicker than I anticipated. And I didn't cut anything. Um, you know, it was only 23 to 25 minutes long. I don't know that I can get through everything with the spirit quite so quickly. Um, but. We will, we will see. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I know that there are a lot of different ideas about the spirit. I know whatever we talk about next week will certainly be good. So I look forward to that conversation, Josh. Thank you, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. 
We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.